This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is time-tested strategies for today's investor. With me this morning, I have Kelsey Banky. Hi, Mary. Welcome, Kelsey. Kelsey's a certified financial planner with us at Stirk Financial. And what we're going to talk about today is three main things that are time-tested, true, proven strategies that are still applicable for today's investors. Okay. You know, a lot of times we hear people talking about the new economy or the new math or you know, different sets of facts or, or changes or trends and things like that. And those all probably have some merit. But the bottom line of portfolio investing is that there are some theories that have withstood the test of time that we think are really important to talk about. They're not super fun. They're not sexy new theories. They're almost a little boring, <laughs> but we're going to talk about how to take something that's just a little bit boring and turn it into something that helps make you make more money. <laughs> that part is not boring. <laughs> it's okay, I guess, if, to be a little bit boring if it that's a bigger return in the end. There you go. <laughs> All right. So the very first topic that I want to talk about is this, is that your strategy is to invest regularly. If you're in your wealth building time in your life, then steadily investing through market setbacks helps take advantage of temporary low prices. All right. And why is that? It's because stocks have generated wealth despite the volatility that we've had. Okay. If you look back at history, which is where we can learn a lot of lessons then stocks have outpaced bonds and inflation over time, despite us having wars, recessions, inflation spikes, terrorism events, and other market-rattling economic things, right? So while the stocks have always recovered from crises, investors have historically made the most of market setbacks by sticking to a regular investment schedule and that ensures that you're buying more shares when prices are lower. Okay, so what do I mean by that? I mean by that that this old concept of dollar cost averaging actually works. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this one a lot, but it really does. If you just keep, don't don't change what you're doing based on how you feel, if you're scared or nervous or excited. If you start investing like that, you're probably not going to make the best moves. But if you have a set pattern and a set uh, time frame and dollar amount that you're investing all the time, it will usually in the end pay off because you're buying at all different price points with your uh, money that you're investing. So case in point, let me lay this out for you. Let's look at 2008's financial crisis as uh, an example. And hear me saying that I get that 2008 scarred a lot of you. Like it is still in the most recent past that we still feel fear connected with how 2008 went down and how it affected portfolios. So I have a lot of people that tell me on a regular basis, well, I don't want another 2008 to happen. <laughs> it was a pretty big event. A lot it of people was. saw a lot of loss in their accounts. It was. And so let me give you some numbers to say why I'm saying investing regularly is still a time-tested strategy. All right. So 
If you invested $10,000 in stocks at the beginning of the 2008 financial crisis, which actually started in December of 2007, then it would have taken you 38 months to regain your $10,000. All right. So you put 10 in and you just bought and hold. Didn't change anything. Didn't make any moves. You just bought at the beginning of it. You held right through the down and right back through the up. It would have taken you 38 months to recover. Little over three years. Isn't that interesting? Now, I hear people saying all the time, oh my gosh, it took me six years and seven years to recover. If that's the case, then you did not buy and hold (laughs) because the stock market itself recovered in 38 months. Okay. Now, if you would have continued to hold that, then it would be bigger by now for sure. Okay. But if you would have invested regularly, and what I mean is that you put $5,000 into the stocks at the start of the financial crisis instead of 10. And then you invested $100 a month for the rest of the crisis. So you put in a total of 10,000. So same example, just putting it in over time and dollar cost averaging instead of putting it in all at once at the beginning. Then at the 38 month mark, you would actually have around $11,500. Okay, so you would have had a 15% gain in the same time frame that it took somebody to get back to even. All right, so investing regularly makes a huge difference, especially through markets when they're going down and then back up. Okay, all right, so Kelsey, I think that you probably hear this all the time, but people talk about what they're afraid of, right? They're afraid of how the United States is heading, what direction we're heading in. They're afraid of maybe what the new president is going to do. They're afraid of war. They're afraid of terrorism. They're afraid of the European crisis and things like that. What are some of the most common things you hear that people are afraid of? Probably the most common things is, you know, what's going on in international markets, uh, or not necessarily markets, but international countries and terrorism and going to war again and things like that. Um, as far as inside of the planning, people are afraid they're going to run out of money mm-hmm. or they're going to have health issues, things like that. Um, but on the, the, the topic of world events and domestic events that are going on, I've also heard a lot of people say, gosh, this feels like the 60s. <laughs> I wasn't around for that. But um, <laughs> I I find a little bit, uh, comfort's not necessarily the right word, but, it, it, you know, they always say history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Yeah. Um, like so we can look back at, at what's gone on in the markets and what's gone on in history and seeing how the market has reacted to those different events. And we can't say that for sure it's going to happen again, that the market will react that way. But a lot of times it's a good indication of what's likely to happen. And so it's it's interesting when you look at charts and you look at data on what happened, you know, in, in the, the Persian Gulf War or after the September 11 terrorist attacks or even currency crisis um, that we've seen in the past. This is, you know, Mexico having currency crisis and the, the debt issues that um, still plague uh, Europe. Those things, this isn't the first time they have happened. So right. we can look at what's happened before and kind of make a little bit of a educated guess, I guess, um, as far as what's going to happen. And, the, you know, 
you look at those those charts and every single time the market's gone down, it's gone back up and eventually Amazing. it's gone back up more. <laughs> so I still believe in the power of the market. I do too. And so let, let me lay out for you how some of these things have um, gone down. And um, I think it's kind of fun to look at them in groupings, right? So one of the groupings that we can look at Let's talk about that kind of international or currency type of crisis, right? So right now people are worried about, well, what might happen to the Mexican peso? Like Mexico might be having some problems, right? Did you know that in 1994, we also had a Mexican peso crisis and the market eventually came back? In 1997, we had an Asian currency crisis, in 2009, we had a European debt crisis. And in 2011, our own U.S. debt was downgraded. So we have had a number of different things historically that have to do with the strength of the money system in different countries. And throughout it all, eventually the market has come back. So it's kind of interesting to think about that. Now, now the other thing I want to tell you is if we look at the um, terrorism side of it, we have had that happen too, right? So we had the Iran hostage crisis way back in 1979. We had the Persian Gulf War in 1991. We had the September 11th terrorist attacks in 2001. And in 2003, we had the Iraq invasion. Um, you know, those are just some of them, but the markets have withstood terrorist attacks too. They might temporarily go down, but we are at an all-time market high, and that means that the markets eventually withstand any of this kind of thing, okay? Now, the last thing I want to talk about is kind of a grouping of investment-related stuff, right? So quite frankly, the investment in the financial industry has gotten a lot of black eyes because there's a lot of funny business, <laughs> That happens. There's scandals. There's people that don't do what they're supposed to be doing. There's crazy people that have gone with money companies that don't do the right thing. We hear about this on the news all the time. But, you know, we had a savings and loan crisis in 1985. We had the Black Monday crash in 1987. We had the long-term capital management collapse happen in 1998. And by the way, don't forget that that was the year that President Clinton was also impeached. We had the tech bubble burst in 2000. We had the Enron and the WorldCom collapse and bankruptcies in 2002. And in 2008, we had Lehman Brothers collapse, which was, a, by all scales, just a massive thing that happened in the financial world. And yet we sit here today... And the markets are still at an all-time high. So what I want you to hear me saying is that bad things happen in the world and investing regularly through them has historically been a wonderful way to generate wealth in your portfolio. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is time-tested strategies for today's investor. So we've talked about the first strategy, which is investing regularly. The second strategy is to diversify, okay? Now, owning a broad mix of asset classes increases your chances of navigating the market's winners and losers. That's a mouthful, right? So what's an asset class? It's basically a grouping 
of things that are like each other, right? So there are large company stocks. There are mid-sized company stocks, small-sized company stocks, internationals, things like that. So there are a number of different asset classes that people can choose from. And as Kelsey can tell you, diversifying between them is absolutely one of the smartest strategies that you can have. It really is. Every year, you know, one of those groupings of investments is going to be the best performer in the market. Conversely, every year, one of them is going to be the worst. But um, either way, the best or the worst doesn't necessarily mean that one's making money and one's losing money. They just might be making different amounts of money or losing different amounts of money, depending on how you look at it. Mm -hmm. So spreading your investment, spreading your money that you're investing across all of those different asset classes um, gives you a really good shot at um, participating in the up the one that's the top and the one that's the bottom as well. But you notice I didn't say the same amount in every one of those different buckets because there is a rhyme and a reason to it. And that just depends on your risk tolerance level. It depends on, um, you know, what's your comfort level with risk. They all have a different risk um, number really assigned to them. A small cap stock fund, so a small company stock fund, is going to have a significantly different risk level than a large company stock fund that's dividend paying, let's say. Um, so having having a little bit in all the categories is a really strong strategy. Um, and over time, it really does average out to an above average port, um, portfolio performance um, when you look at a long-term historical uh, rating on that. Right. So here's what's kind of interesting. I'm going to take a 10-year period from 2016 through, I'm sorry, 2006 through 2015, and I'm going to read you the top asset classes for those 10 years, okay? In 2006, it was international, 2007 international, then investment-grade bonds. What? They were the best. Craziness. 2009, high-yield bonds. 2010, small cap. 2011, investment-grade bonds, followed by international funds, small cap again, then large cap, and then large cap again. All right. So you can see that in that 10 year period, there was a handful of different things that were the very best asset class performers. Now, I'm going to read you a 10 year history of the worst asset class performers. 2006, investment grade bonds. (laughs) 2007, U.S. small cap equity. 2008, international funds. 2009, cash. The next year, cash again. 2011, international equity, followed by cash, followed by investment-grade bonds, then international equity, then international equity. Now, you pretty much heard me say that the stuff that's at the top once in a while is also at the bottom once in a while. And isn't that interesting? (laughs) And then there are other asset classes that you didn't even hear me read off, such as mid-caps, such as alternatives and things like that. So the bottom line is you cannot predict the class that is going to do the best and you cannot predict the class that is going to do the worst and they flip-flop every single year. So the best investment strategy that takes advantage of all of this is to spread your assets across a broad range of investments and be diversified. And it works in all market um, mm-hmm. situations. So who I don't know anybody that really predicted 2008, at least the severity that we had in 2008. And if you look at 2008, had you been in 
good old U.S. large cap stocks, which is what a lot of people, if, if they're not seeking investment advice, it seems like what a lot of people end up being invested in because it's names they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. That lost 37.6% that year. <laughs> 37.6%. So people who are nervous about another 2008, and they saw that kind of loss in their accounts, um, you, know, you can understand why. But if you were diversified and you had some in that investment grade bond pool that we were talking about, that that chunk of money made 5.24%. So even though those aren't necessarily um, returns that are consistent across multiple years, in that year, it could have protected your portfolio from having as severe a loss as if you'd just been in 100% U.S. large cap company stock. Right. Now, what people also don't realize is that there's a method to the madness to diversify their bonds, too. And bond success has everything to do with the quality and the duration of the bond. Okay, so what does that even mean? Quality means it's backed by something strong, and duration means the length of time. Now, both of those things trigger off of where interest rates are and where inflation is. And a lot of people don't understand that you kind of look at it like this, that long-term bonds and interest rates are on a seesaw with each other. So one goes up, the other one goes down. So not only is it important to diversify your overall portfolio, but it's also important to be diversifying that bond mix right now to make sure that what you're in is making sense with what our current economic conditions are. I think the asset allocation, yes, of bonds and the stocks, is it's extremely crucial right now. Um, we're looking at pretty high market. Um, it's the highest it's ever been in recent um, months here that we've seen in all-time stock markets. But if, if you're well-diversified, we we say this all the time, but if you're well-diversified, you can position yourself to take advantage of any up market that's left for as long as it's it's going to continue going up, but position yourself to take advantage of that, but also position yourself to protect if and when, and it will happen, we just don't know when the market has another crash or another recession. But if you are skewed in any one certain way in any of those asset classes, the protection side of your portfolio is severely um diminished in in the fact that you can't protect as well but also you might be positioned in a in a weird way that doesn't allow you to take advantage of all the ups so this is when we talk about this we talk about it a lot it's because it is very very important to your long-term success so we're actually going to have a seminar coming up on march the 23rd and it's called portfolio pitfalls and how to avoid them (laughs) so if you want to dig in a little deeper to some of the strategies that can cause damage to a portfolio or if you want to understand more clearly the relationship to the right type of bonds making money and the current interest rate environment we're going to talk about that you can go to sterkfinancialservices.com and register for our seminar there but again it's called portfolio pitfalls and it's on march the 23rd Now, we usually give away something on our shows, and what we're giving away today is a diversity checkup for your portfolio. So we see a lot of skew in portfolios, and we see a lot of people's portfolios that haven't had checkups in a while. Now, you all know by now that we are primarily a fee-based financial planning firm, and so the first meeting's always free. However, if you'd like us to do a diversity checkup for you, what we're offering is a discount to our fees for our listeners You just need the code MONEYGUIDE25 in order to take advantage of that. 
So if you'd like to have us take a look at your portfolio and do a diversity checkup for you, then give us a holler, schedule time. We work with clients all over the United States, so you don't even have to be right in our local listening area. And tell us the code MONEYGUIDE25. We'll figure out what it is that you might need us to help you with, and then we'll be able to give you that nice discount on our rates. Okay, I promised you three strategies, and I'm going to give you the other one really quickly, and that is stay invested. Staying invested makes sense because the market rebounds are unpredictable, and staying invested may ensure that you won't miss them. It's human nature to feel emotional about your investments, but acting on your emotion is typically very counterproductive to your portfolio. And the reason that that is is because six out of the 10 best days in the last 20 years have come within two weeks of the 10 worst days. So if you have popped out of the market because you got scared, you probably didn't pop back in in time to, t- to catch the rebound. And that's why staying invested matters. All right. So we've gone over three time-tested strategies for today's investors. Invest regularly, diversify, and stay invested. They still make sense. They're still my top three. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.